A lot of you probably have hidden talents, and uh, maybe you share them with others, maybe you don't because maybe they're hidden. Uh, I'm going to share one of mine with you this morning. So uh, when I was, I don't know, like elementary school, our, um, our PE class did a, a lesson on juggling. And so I decided I was going to learn how to juggle. Now, I feel super nervous. I've never done this in front of this many people in my life. So, so I spent, you know, I spent a lot of time, like, learning how to juggle, you know, three balls like this, okay? So here's the thing. Like, I could do this, although the lights are in my eyes, I could do this almost indefinitely, right? The only thing that, would, that might stop me is uh, either a distraction or if my arms eventually get tired, right? So, so I learned how to do that, and then, uh, you know, at some point I thought, that's not impressive enough, right? Because after a while, people get sort of bored with it. So I thought, what if I could try to do five at one time? Now, I don't know, I don't know if anybody in the room can do five at one time. Uh, the reason you go from three to five is because it's basically the same pattern with five as it is with three. Four is a little different. You've got to get a different thing going. Uh, so I sat in my room, I don't know, for like hours, hours, day after day, working on five. And so you might ask, like, can, can you juggle? Did you get there to where you can juggle five? Well, see, here's, here's the thing. No, I can't. All right. So the, the deal is I got to where like I could do it maybe two or three times in a row and invariably I would drop them. And what you'll find is that like, if you look at the world records of juggling, uh, some guy juggled three balls like that for like 12, 13 hours. When it gets to five, the, the amount of time drops dramatically. Like three hours is, is the world record, the best juggler of five in the world. Very few people can juggle more than three or four objects for very long at all. You can only focus on so many things at one time before you're going to drop something. Now, now, you're probably understanding the metaphor here that I'm trying to communicate because in, in one sense, that's a lot like our lives, isn't it? You can only juggle really so many things before you're gonna, you're gonna drop some balls. Some things are gonna begin to fall apart. Even if you can, you can juggle a whole lot for just a little while, you probably can't do it for very long. And so most of us have to decide either actively or passively what are going to be the activities, the priorities that are going to take the center of our attention? And if we're honest, it might be two or three things, really, that we can really prioritize in our lives. Now, the challenge is that we live in a world that is so busy and distracted, we are constantly being encouraged to add more and more and more to our plate. We're filled with busyness. If you're a student, you've got your schoolwork, you've got your social life, you might have organizations you're involved in. Maybe you have a dating life. Maybe you don't, but you're investing energy in getting a dating life, right? You've got your family, you've got church, you hopefully have your walk with God. You've got all of these things, you're trying to, to juggle them. And then if you're out of college, you move a couple stages forward in life. Maybe you've got a spouse now, you've got kids now. You've got all kinds of uh, responsibilities at work and bills to pay and an election to worry about, right? And all of these things that begin to occupy our attention to where we go, I can't keep it all in front of me without something dropping. 
And so I think most of us, if we're honest, we live in reactive mode rather than in a focused mode of life. We allow the external circumstances of our lives to set the priorities of our lives in terms of how we spend our time and how we spend our money and where our affections and our love goes. We just sort of are driven along by external factors. But as I read the scripture, it becomes very clear that the scripture sets certain priorities in front of us and says what, what God is calling us to do is to set priorities uh, and not waver from these priorities. And so if we were to look at the scripture and say, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what are the, say, three priorities that, that ought to, to center my life? The New Testament gives them to us. In fact, Jesus gives them to us. And it's not only that as individuals we can become busy and distracted, we can also become busy, distracted, and unfocused as a church. And so what I want to do this morning, and we do this on a regular basis, usually at the beginning of every new semester or new year, I simply want to say, if as a church we can have three priorities that we want to put in front of us, what are those priorities going to be? We'll be back in Romans next week. We'll start in Romans 9. But this morning, I want to say, what are the priorities that drive us as a church to make sure that we remain focused, that we don't just engage in a lot of activity without any purpose and end up dropping the balls that matter the most? So that's what I want to look at for a, for a few minutes this morning. If someone was like, what are the key priorities of Grace Bible Church? Which, by the way, I think uh, these priorities should should really inform every church, what are those priorities if we can only have three? The absolutely essential activities we must pursue as a church. These balls are going to make me fall down eventually. Okay. What are the absolutely essential activities? Let me, let me start here. First and foremost one, we read it a moment ago, is simply this, to love God. That as a church and as people of Jesus, we want to be people whose lives are characterized first and foremost by the love of God. Jake read the passage just a moment ago from Matthew chapter 22 when Jesus is, is taking questions from the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of his day. And Matthew 22, it says, one of them, an expert in religious law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest. So you got to understand, this is a loaded question. Here's a guy who spends all of his time studying the Old Testament law and teaching the Old Testament law. And there were hundreds of commands in the Old Testament, over 600. I think it's like 613. And so, so these guys had kind of a little cottage industry where they would just debate, what's the best one? What's the most important one? What's the most significant one? So we asked Jesus, knowing that whatever Jesus says, some people won't like it. But Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So in other words, Jesus says, what ought to motivate our obedience to all of the other commandments is this first and greatest commandment, to love God. And he says, I want you to love God not only with every part of your being, right? Your heart, that is the things you love. I want them to be informed first and foremost by your love of God. 
your mind, what you think about, what you dwell upon, what you look at, what you allow uh, to sort of uh, enter your, your mind. I want that to be informed by the love of God. Your soul, that's your life, your energy. Love God with every part of you, but also with all of every part of you. That is, allow the center of your life to be, to be motivated and propelled by the love of God. Now, some of us, we read that and we go, okay, is Jesus saying then that what I need to do is just spend all my time reading the Bible, praying, going to church, singing worship songs. That's what it means to love God. That's not what he's getting at. What he is saying is, yes, we want to worship God. Yes, we want to attend church. Yes, we want to pray. Yes, we want to read our Bible. But all of those disciplines, all of those activities are meant to form us into people who love God, not only within the walls of the church, not only when our Bible is open on the table, but also when we walk into class. And when we walk into the workplace, and when we engage with our neighbors, and when we talk with our family, all that we do and all that we are should be motivated by the love of God so that I become a walking testimony to the fact that I have a relationship with the maker of the universe grounded in love. So that what I say, what I do, what I think in every sphere of my life is empowered and shaped by the love of God, so that in my workplace, I want to act like and be known as a person who loves God. In my classes, I want to act like and be known as a person who loves God, and so on. All of my life is motivated by the love of God. And what I, what I love about this is as you read throughout the rest of the New Testament, what we find is that our love for God is actually grounded in God's love for us. So that's 1 John 4, 19, that famous passage that says, we love, why? Because he first loved us. We are able to love because God first loved us. How did God love us? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. First passage you probably memorized. And the idea is that our relationship with God is grounded in God's love that motivated him to send Jesus Christ to die for our sins and to rise from the dead. So when you believed in Jesus Christ, you can know that you have eternal life and you know that God loves you. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his love for us in this. What? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. So now that I know the love of God, I want to live a life of response to him in love as I dwell upon that love, as I read about that love, as I sing about that love, as I experience that love through the power of the Spirit. So, so here's what I think Jesus would say is actually that, that loving God, knowing and loving God comes before serving God. That I begin with knowing and loving him first and then that love is going to motivate my service because what I want to do is cultivate a relationship of love with my Father who gave Jesus Christ to me. So uh, I found this in my desk this week. Several years ago on Father's Day, uh, my kids made this, and I don't know how well you can see this, but th I mean, this was a while back. They, they were probably like elementary, early elementary. I think my oldest daughter actually made it because the other two 
we're too young to write really and draw. So, so you know, it, it says daddy and me, and there's, there's pictures she's drawn. One of the stickers just came off. There's pictures that she's drawn. You know, there's us playing the piano with our hands up in the air like this. Uh, I guess we're playing ball here. Playing with daddy, right? We're, we're doing different things. Daddy-daughter dates. Recitals, there I am going to dance recitals. Dancing for daddy. Thank you for being daddy, right? So uh, I love this. Now, I will tell you, it's not worth any money. I can't sell it anywhere in any kind of market. But it's priceless to me. Now, what's interesting is on Father's Day, what they could have done is they could have said, just, you know what, get him a tie. Just buy him a card, get him a tie, check it off the list. We checked it off the list. We did our obligation to him for Father's Day. Now, why I love this is because it reflects a relationship, right? It reflects a relationship of love and care. That's the sort of relationship that God wants us to have with him because of all he's done for us in Jesus Christ, that our service and our worship and our song and our prayers and our Bible study is motivated by an increasing understanding of the love of God. So I wanna challenge all of us then to say, am I living a life where I am cultivating love of God? What am I filling my mind with on a regular basis? Is it the word of God and the truth of all God has done for me? Or is it, you know, mostly TikToks? Which one? And it's not that, it's not that you know, TikTok or Instagram inherently are evil. But what am I filling my mind and my heart with on a regular basis? Am I carving out time on a regular basis to cultivate my love for God through engaging with his word? Yes, through prayer. Yes, through worship. Through gathering with the community of faith, which we'll talk about in a moment. So that as I come to love him more, I'm not distracted now by every other thing in the world but to say my life is motivated and grounded by love of God. And as a church, we want to help one another to learn how to love God. Jesus says that there's nothing more important than knowing and loving him, engaging with him, sitting at his feet. You remember that, that great story about Mary and Martha? You know, Jesus goes to their home and Mary is kind of buzzing around and she's making all the food. And uh, excuse me, Martha is buzzing around and, and making all the food and, and all the preparations. And there's Mary, her sister, just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and engaging with him because she loves her teacher, her rabbi, her savior. And, and Martha looks over and sees Mary sitting there and she's frustrated. And she goes, teacher, don't you care that she's left me to do all the work alone? Tell her to help me. And what does Jesus say? The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, right? This is, you're trying to juggle five, six, seven balls at a time. He goes, only one is needed, right? Only one, Martha, just one. Mary has chosen the best part. It will not be taken away from her. Love of God at the center. Interestingly, as a church, this ought to be the aim of all of our teaching, all of our study, all of our service. Not so that we can fill our minds just with knowledge, but so we can cultivate love of God. This is what Paul says, 1 Timothy 1.5. The aim of our instruction is what? It's love that comes from a pure heart 
a good conscience and a sincere faith. So, so can you say that the rhythms of your life are producing in you a deeper love of God or are the rhythms of your life constantly distracted by all manner of things that don't cultivate the love of God? So priority one is to love God first. Priority number two, love one another. Love one another. In this same context, right after he gives the first commandment, we read it again a moment ago, he says the second greatest commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right now, now many people have pointed out, he goes, look, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, this is not necessarily Jesus commanding self-love. This is Jesus assuming it. You, you and I, for the most part, we, we like ourselves. Even if you're, you're down on yourself, right, you're down on yourself because you think yourself important enough to think about. And so Jesus says, look, you think about yourself, you try to take care of yourself, you, you, you meet your needs, right? You are going to care about yourself. So he says, what I want you to do now, if you're grounded in the love of God, now I want you to look around and say, how can I love others in the way God has loved me? Jesus would say it in John chapter 13 this way, I give you a new commandment to love one another. So you're like, wait, that's not a new commandment. That, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the New Testament. But, but here's, here's the new part. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. As Jesus loved us in a self-sacrificial way, everyone will know by this that you're my disciples. If you have love, for one another. That, 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 that maybe the greatest evidence that we love God, that we're walking with God, is the way we love one another in the body of Christ. And he says, I want you now to live with the same sort of self-sacrificial mindset and attitude that I demonstrated toward you. I think this is critically important. As a church, especially in 2024. We live in a deeply disconnected and lonely age. And, and loneliness is deeply painful. Some of you in this room, you're deeply lonely. And you know, loneliness can be very, very painful. And in fact, people will go to great lengths to find community, even if the community that they find is some lesser version of the, the real life community that comes from knowing people who invest in your life and care about you. Some of you may remember that old movie, Castaway, starring Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks ends up stranded on a desert island for four years, right? He's in a plane crash, ends up on this desert island, manages to get food for himself and water and, and survive. But you remember that in his loneliness, he becomes so desperate for companionship that he takes a volleyball and he paints a face on it in his own blood. And he spends the next four years talking to a volleyball. Because it's better than being alone. I thought, what a great image of the links we will go to to find community. Uh, I read a recent study, very recent, from the last couple of years, that said more than 50% of Americans would say that they feel alone. They feel lonely some or even most of the time. 
right? And, and the loneliest generation, you know, the loneliest generation is Generation Z, who also happen to be the most digitally connected generation in all of human history. 73% of Generation Z said that they feel alone some or all of the time. Another study said that uh, they, they interviewed 1,500 people and they asked this question, how many confidants do you have? How many true confidants that you can share your secrets, your concerns, your heart? How many of those people do you have who know you and you know them? The most common answer was zero. 25%, a full quarter of the respondents said nobody. There's a huge percentage of people in our world who are desperately lonely, seeking community. And here, here's what Jesus says, is that the way we love one another actually demonstrates that we're following Jesus because it demonstrates that I am so full of the love of God that I've, I've got enough love in my heart to love you. And so, so now I can engage in community even when it's risky, even when it's difficult, even when it's messy, and love others as God has loved me. And so as a church, we're constantly going to be pushing one another to love one another, engage with one another, spend time with one another. If we want to be a community in which the love of God shines out to our world, to our city, we have to be a community that invests in the lives of other people. And I'm, I'm going to be honest is that there's probably some of you in this room that theoretically you long for community. And you may come in week in and week out and you say, I don't really know anybody. Right? But you also might not really be investing in, in the community with the time and the energy and the effort that it takes. So, so let, me, let me say something that this may, I, this may step on a couple of toes, but, but, I'll, but I'll say it. I, I, I know that, you know, we come in here and we worship together and we sing songs and we hear, hear a sermon. But let me ask you, do you take time before, after the service to engage, to meet the people around you? And do you seek to take time during the week to, to join a, a community group, a small group, to invest in the lives of people who will care about you? Right, I know that, that quite often when the sermon ends, right, I pray and we're going to do a song. Right? Some of you are like, man, I'm gonna, this is when I'm going to go. I'm going to go right now because I, can, I know I can beat everybody here to Gringo's. Right? That's, that's what I'm going to do. Right? So you get out to the, the parking lot, right? and before we finish the last song, like your car has left the skid marks all the way out of the parking lot, and you have ordered, you got your food, right? and the rest of us show up you know, a little bit later, and we're waiting a long time. But let me just say this. Like, maybe you've got an, an emergency, right? Maybe you've got a lunch emergency or something. You've got to get out the door. I don't know what it is. There may be a legitimate reason, but, but let me say this. What if, what if, instead of that, some week you, you stayed and you engaged with the people around you and you got to know them and, and, and you talked with some people for a few minutes. You walked out to the foyer and you talked with some people and then, and then you go, hey, why don't we go to Gringo's together? And you begin to share your life with one another, right? And maybe by the time you get there, the, the, the lunch rush is gone already, right? And so you win-win. 
Okay, but, but I share that as one illustration, not to make anybody feel bad, but to say we long for community. But let me ask, are we investing the time and the energy that it takes to know one another? Okay, and, and whether you're older or whether you're younger, whether you've been here a long time or not, and, and I, I would encourage you to do that. And I'd especially say this to those who have been around for a while. You've kind of got your, your friend group. Don't forget that there are those coming in who are longing to experience the love of Jesus Christ through this community. Will we be people who love one another as Jesus has loved us? And what happens is over time then we, we develop these relationships of love with one another so that as people hurt, as people are sick, as people are in grief, we're there to care for them self-sacrificially. Right, this past week, my, my own car broke down, had to go to the shop. And uh, I was asking a, a friend, a friend who I know from this community and have known for years, hey, what do you think's wrong with it, all of this? And, and before he even really answered what was wrong maybe with the car, he said, hey, you want to borrow one of mine? Which I needed. Right, but, but, but that relationship of sacrifice and trust came through years of friendship and investment in a community. Right, and we've had opportunity to do the same for others within this body. And, and I, I want that for everybody here. That we say, we're going we're gonna to know one another and love one another as Christ has loved us. So Jesus says, okay, priority one, love God. As you love God, that's going to flow outward into your love for one another as we get to know one another and speak into each other's lives and, and, and invest our time, energy, resources, whatever it is, in the lives of other people. So love God, love one another. Thirdly, Jesus would say, from there, I want you to make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. So if you've been here with us for any period of time, you're familiar with our church's mission statement. We help people find and follow Jesus. So we tell people about Jesus, and we help people follow Jesus. That's the process of making disciples, who then make disciples who make disciples. This was the last commandment that Jesus gave to his own disciples before he ascended into heaven, after his resurrection. Then Jesus came up and said to them, that is to the 11 disciples who were remaining, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, I want you to listen to me and obey. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So go, go help people find Jesus, initiate them into your community. And then he says, I want you to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he says, not just to know what I've commanded you, but I want you actually to teach people to obey. Help people understand what the word of God says, but also model and encourage other people to obey God once they understand how deeply Jesus has loved them in his death and resurrection. And he says, remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I will empower you for this task. I will be with you in this task. But Jesus says, what I want you to do now, as you love God and as you love others, I want you now to turn around and help other people love God and love others. Continue that pattern from generation to generation to generation to generation until Jesus returns. That is what we are called to do as believers in Jesus Christ. And it is very, very easy 
very, very easy for individuals and churches to get sidetracked and we begin to focus on peripheral matters when the mission of the church is simply this, help people come to know Jesus and follow Jesus. I've shared with this with some of you before. Many years ago, I went one afternoon to eat at KFC, formerly known as Kentucky Fried Chicken. All right, so I walked in the door and I was ready to order you know, whatever, an eight-piece bucket or whatever it was. So I walk up and I'm like, I'm going to get an eight-piece bucket of, chi- of chicken. And, and the, the employee's like, let me stop you right there. We're out of chicken. And, and I was like, okay. Like, I don't know what to do. Because literally, it's a chicken restaurant. So, it's, so she's like, you can get any sides you want. You can, get, you can get corn, you can get, you know, whatever, the potatoes, whatever it is. And I'm like, but... I want chicken, right? Literally, it's, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like, that's your whole reason for existing. I don't understand why you're still open. I don't get it. Like, you run out of chicken, and you're at a chicken restaurant. Just close the doors. Just be like, sorry, we'll be back tomorrow when we get more chicken. Right? I actually left, and I, I mean, I just went somewhere else. I was like, I don't know why you're here. Why do I share that? Okay, here's why I share that. Because this happens to churches all the time, all the time. We open the doors, we engage in activities, we have, you know, we got some great social events, we've got some great sides, you know, we, we have nice chairs, we've got cool songs, you know, like all this kind of stuff, and we forget why we're here. And at the heart of why we're here is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, right? As we grow in love for God and we grow in love for one another, now we say, I want other people to experience the joy of knowing Jesus Christ and the joy of this community of faith and love where we can grow closer to Jesus Christ. So we share the gospel in our communities and we look at the generation coming behind us and instead of grumbling about their preferences or whatever it may be, we help them follow Jesus. That's why we're here. And so we're, we're called to love God, love one another, make disciples. Those are the priorities. That's why we are here. As, as followers of Jesus, that's why we're here as a church. So let me offer then a few ways that you and I can participate in these priorities. Let me just offer a few. The first one is simply this. I would encourage you to connect connect with the church. As we said earlier, to build this community, it requires us to invest some of our time, some of our energy, and even, yes, some of our hearts. And community can be risky. And if I were to do a a poll in here this morning, I would guess that many, if not most of the people in this room at some point have been hurt, including me, by people within the church. And so we become afraid. But there is no community without risk and investment. So I would encourage you, yes, engage with a small group. Engage with a community group. You can sign up for those easily through many avenues, out in the foyer, on our website. But also engage with people here. Don't only look forward when you come on Sunday morning. Look side to side. And notice those around you. Connect with grace. Grow in your relationship with the Lord. We're here to help provide 
resources and equipping so that you can grow in your love for Jesus. For some of you, that's gonna begin just by saying, I'm actually gonna carve out a key portion of my day simply to hear from God and to talk to God, to read his word and to spend time in prayer. Or maybe it is, I'm gonna carve out a key moment in my week on a regular basis and I'm gonna make it a priority for me and my family to be here to worship together, to show up to, com- to my community group or small group on a regular basis so that, so that I can grow. The goal of our instruction, remember, is love, so that we grow in our love of Jesus Christ. So, so again, do the rhythms of your life promote love of God? Before you pick up your phone and look at social media, are you willing to say, I'm gonna invest time in knowing the Lord first? And maybe last before I go to sleep. To grow in my walk with the Lord, not so that I can check a quiet time off of a list, but so I can love him more deeply as he has loved me. And thirdly, I'd encourage you actually engage with our church and with the world around you. As we grow in love for God, love for others, we wanna engage now in service and in prayer and in giving. So, so I'd encourage you as you engage, pray for our church, pray for the people of this church. Pray for those in your community who don't know Jesus. Pray for our leadership Pray for yourself. Pray for the person sitting next to you. Pray for those who are hurting and grieving and sick. Pray for our church. We need your prayers, and you need our prayers. Be in prayer that our church would have an impact and influence in this community for Jesus Christ. I'd encourage you to find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. You, you can, again, on our website, there's a form you can find pretty easily if you, if you go to uh, service opportunities. We have opportunities, uh, everything from greeting in the foyer to helping in the parking lot. Our toolbox team that helps to uh, do small repairs for those uh, who might be uh, unable to do them themselves. You can serve in the children's ministry, youth. There's all kinds of places to serve. As an overflow of our love of God and love of others, we we now say, I want to use the resources that I have to give to the church, to serve. And yes, to, to give as well. With, with my own money, with my own resources. You can give directly toward the ministry of Grace Bible Church that allows us to continue our ministry to this community and to our city. You can give to our goers, some of whom you've met, who we send overseas to share Jesus in places where his name is not really known. And so I'd encourage you, use your talents, your abilities, your time, but yes, also your financial resources. I want to say along those lines, this semester, we also are going to have an opportunity for those of you that you say, I give regularly to Grace Bible Church, but, but would like to give a little bit above and beyond your regular giving. We have a project that uh, we're going to aim to get done over the course of the next four months that we think will uh, help us continue our influence in this community. It's called Project 4x4. Uh, I believe that in the, the seat backs in front of you, there's, there's a brochure, uh, one of these blue brochures. If I, can, I think I have one up here, one of these. Um, the essence of this is simply this. Y'all know we are a multi-campus church. We have a campus in Bryan. We're the farthest south. There's our Southwood campus. 
which is next to Consol High School, and then our Anderson campus, which is really near Texas A&M. This is the newest facility of the four. The other facilities are older, anywhere from 30 to 40 years old. And so as time goes on, those facilities begin to degrade. And uh, we recognize the church is not a building, the church is people, we, we know that. But we utilize these buildings in order to minister to the community. I will tell you, here and at all of our campuses, our facility is utilized either by uh, men and women in this church or many times by the community. It's utilized almost every day of the week by somebody. And so, you know, over at Anderson, they're facing some challenges. Their sound system and lighting system is, is quite old. It's starting to fall apart and degrade. It will die before very long. So imagine doing church with no sound system or lighting. It would be romantic but tough. Okay? Southwood, their parking lot is, uh, if you've been over there, their parking lot's pretty rough. It needs to be uh, torn apart and repaved. We've already had one injury over there. We don't want any others, not to mention injuries to vehicles. And so they're going to repave that. At Midtown, they're going to um, be building in some, some curtains and, and making their, their space more of a multi-use space. And then over here at Creekside, uh, we're going to begin by building out an outdoor multi-use space with some lighting and the opportunity to do some outdoor events, like when we've done our um, sunrise service on Easter and things like that. Uh, it'll be on this side of the building over here. It also will allow like our youth and some of our kids to play outside and not play on the concrete behind us uh, when they're playing football or whatever it may be. And so we're gonna expand that and we're also going to try to uh, get architect fees in order to look into expanding the education wing over here so that we've got some more children's and adult classroom space eventually. Uh, that's a larger project. So over the course of the next four months, if you say, you know what, the Lord is leading me to give above and beyond, we're hoping to raise about a million dollars over the course of the next four months for those four projects. Anything above and beyond that is actually going to go toward the expansion of our education wing over here. So that's just something to pray about. Again, facilities are not the church, but facilities allow us to do the ministry God's called us to do. If you're uh, here this evening, if you're a member, come to the Grace Family Gathering We'll have more information about that. It's at five o'clock, I believe, over at our Anderson campus. So pray, serve, give, and then fourth and last, share. Share the gospel in your community, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, amongst those who don't know Jesus. To say, I, I want out of an overflow of my love for God, love for others, to share the gospel. I would encourage you, always have one or two people in your mind and your heart who need to know the good news of Jesus and be praying for them and looking for an opportunity. Uh, one of my uh, kids told me that he and a friend even had an opportunity to share the gospel with some friends that they met through a video game. There's always an opportunity. Right, and so I would encourage you, always be thinking, how can I be sharing Jesus? Pray, serve, give, share. Again, these are the priorities of our life. Love God, love others, make disciples. We will drill those and, and hammer those over and over and over again so that we remain focused to be a church that doesn't try to juggle every ball and end up dropping the most important ones, but a church that honors and centers ourselves in the things that God deems important. Would you pray with me?
Father, we are so thankful for your word, for the truth of your word. We are thankful that you even let us participate in your work. God, we pray that we would be faithful to walk with you, to love you, to know you, and then to help others to follow you. Lord, humble us before you and remove remove from our hearts our strong desire to fulfill our own agendas, but allow us instead to fulfill yours. Lord, we're so thankful for this time and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.